Again, well, good morning. How is everybody? It's good to see you, man. This is the awake crowd. So at, at 9.30, I love them. God bless them. But boy, I said, howdy. And they just, cricket, cricket, cricket. So I walked off the stage and that was the end of it. So uh, no, no. But it's good to see you all this morning. Welcome. I'm Josh. I'm one of the ministers here. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I would love to get the privilege to say hi to you after service. So stick around, please. I'll be out in the lobby. And also, at the end of our gathering, if you are curious about what your next step is, whether it's following Christ, whether it's learning more about the church, whether it's just some issue or need that you would like some encouragement on, you can see us out in the lobby. At uh, the, There's a table there that just says, Next Steps. And we'd love to be able to help you take your next step in following Christ or getting connected here Because this year we believe God has so much good in store, not just us as a community, but you as individuals. And so we're going to dive in today into part two of a series that's all about what it means uh, to live into the year that God has put before us. And the series is called Take the Land. It's a look at the book of the ancient text of Joshua, the story of a man who by God's power led a group of people into the promised land. The space God had promised for so many years. Now, last week, by way of reminder, last week we began the series by looking at this idea that before you can take land, you have to know the land that you're taking. If you missed last week's message, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it because it sets up much of what we're going to be talking about today and weeks to come. But with that said, let's continue the story In Joshua chapter 3, if you have your testaments, Joshua chapter 3, if you're new to scripture, that's the sixth book of the Bible, so just sort of start in the beginning and work your way forward. Uh, We'll be in page on my Bible 182, that may not help you, but Joshua chapter 3, this is how the story continues. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before the crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. By the way, just pause there. A couple of details so you understand what we're talking about. The Ark of the Covenant was a physical box that was to be the physical representation of God's physical presence with his people. God is is omnipresent, we believe, meaning he is everywhere. But this was a very specific way of saying God is here with you. It was a beautiful box covered in gold with angels on top. And and between them was a space called the judgment seat and then the mercy seat. By the way, just a little fun note. Jesus Christ is the Ark of the Covenant when he came. You say, what does that mean? Well, inside the Ark of the Covenant were a few objects. There was the Ten Commandments. It was God's word to us. John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In other words, Jesus is the living word of God, not on stone, but in flesh. Inside the ark was Aaron. He was the first high priest. Aaron's staff that had budded. In other words, it was symbolic of the true priest of Israel. Jesus Christ is the priest over all of us. The one who makes sacrifice for us to God so we can be drawn in. Correct? And then the third thing that's in the ark of the covenant was manna. You say, what is it? Well, that's actually what the word manna means. It was the stuff that would come from the sky 
The Israelites, when they were in the wilderness, would collect it and they would make food from it. It was their sustenance. Interestingly enough, Jesus is the bread from heaven. So the Ark of the Covenant for us is a symbol or a type to remind us of the ultimate one that we follow. That is Jesus Christ. One final little note on that. There are two angels on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. Interesting, in John's Gospel in the New Testament, Jesus, when he was crucified, he died and was buried in a tomb. But on the third day, the stone was rolled away. And when the people came to see where Jesus' body was, they looked in and there was no body there. There was a space and there were two angels over it. This is a picture, church. Everything in the scripture from the Old Testament on points to Jesus Christ. And so the Ark of the Covenant, it is the physical representation that God is with us. And he says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, when you see that God is with us, here's what you do. You are to move out from your positions and follow it. We, as followers of Jesus, follow wherever he leads us. Amen? Let's try that again. We, as followers of Jesus, go wherever Jesus leads us. Amen? And so this is where we kind of continue on the story. Now, then, notice this. I love this phrase. Then you will know which way to go. How many of us this morning want to know which way to go? How many of us in our current culture are kind of confused on which way to go? How many of us look at our culture and realize our culture is absolutely confused on which way to go? Let me give you one example. In Jesus' name, or we pray, amen and a woman. Any one of you hear that one recently? We live in a confused culture. He says, as you follow Jesus, as you follow God, as you follow, you will have clarity on where to go. Since you have never been this way before, church, we have never been where we are today in this nation. But we have a God who has seen it and leads in front of us. Amen. And so he goes on, look at this. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself. Consecrate just means make yourself holy, clean up. Don't pretend everything's okay if it's not. Say you're sorry to God. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord. Not me, not Joshua, because this isn't a book about Joshua. This is a book about Joshua's God. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today, today I will, key word, begin. God is in the process of beginning some things. I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, Jordan River, massive river, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you all these people whose names are weird. Okay, let's go on. Next slide. See the Ark of the... Hey, look, I'm like you. Let's just get to the good stuff. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then... Choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp 
to cross the Jordan. The priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. My title this morning in part two of Take the Land is simply this. I'm taking the step. I'm taking the step. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we confess that we are, many of us, in the same wilderness place we were a year ago, a decade ago, a lifetime ago. But this can be the moment this morning, Lord, where we take the one step that begins the process to see your victory in our lives in taking the land. May we be open to hear what you would have to tell us so that we may enjoy and see what you want to give to us. In Jesus' name, amen. I love the story that I heard not too long ago about a group of older women in Chattanooga who were joyriding around town. There was a woman in the front seat. She had the nice big white hair, the one that showed that she'd been to the salon, permed out to the nines. And she had a girlfriend in the side seat and a couple in the back seat, and they were just having a great time until... They saw blue lights in the rear view mirror. How many of you, just honestly, how many of you, when you see blue lights pop up behind you, you get real nervous, real fa- Anyone else? I, I mean, I start looking at all my gauges. I'm thinking, did I, did I renew my license? Are the tags okay? I get nervous. And so this woman, she gets nervous. She pulls over and the police officer comes up, taps on the window. She rolls it down. And he says, ma'am, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? And he sa- she says, uh, no, officer, I-, I was going the speed limit. I mean, I was watching the sign. I was going the exact speed the sign said. And she said, he said, well, ma'am, no, you were going way under the speed. And she said, no, 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 no. I- Everywhere I saw that number 27, I I, I did the speed 27. He goes, no, ma'am, you're on a road that is 27. You know the one I'm talking about. She goes, oh, okay. And just then the officer, he looks over and he sees the woman in the passenger seat and the two in the back seat, and they are as white as ghosts. One woman has her fingernails shoved into her kneecaps. He says, what's wrong with them? And the driver, she goes, oh, well... Before we were here, we were on Highway 153. (laughs) Here's the reality. You and I live in a world that is constantly up and down when it comes to things that cause us peace or cause us stress. Am I right? You can be riding one road and things seem to be going very smooth, very slow, very tranquil, but it doesn't take long and then something else happens. Perhaps you hear about a riot at the Capitol, something we never thought we'd see. You hear about a bombing on Christmas Day in Nashville. Or maybe it hits a little closer to home. Maybe you hear those words you never expected from your spouse, I want a divorce. Or a child comes clean with an addiction. Or a friend gets that word, cancer. Or maybe it's a job. Maybe the the income is tight. Maybe it is just the questioning of your faith. Maybe you are in a place like the Israelites where you never imagined being 
and you've never been there before, so you don't know which way to go. I want to tell you this morning that the number one thing, I'm convinced, the number one thing that will keep you and I from experiencing all God has in store for us, not only over the next year, but the rest of your life, is this one word. Are you ready what the one word is? Fear. Fear. This is the one thing, I believe, more than anything else that will keep you from living into the fullness of what God has planned for you. Because fear... Hear me now, fear paralyzes us, doesn't it? In fact, let me just put it this way this morning. I believe this is such an important thing that if you do not take your fears, your fears will take your years. Some of you know the pain of worry and you have lived in fear of what might be, what could happen, and as a result, you have missed out on the richness and the depth. You have chosen not to take a step because you saw the water was rushing so, so fast. I think about the Israelites at this very moment when they come to the, come to the Jordan River. The Jordan River ran vertically cutting the east and the west side and the Israelites are now on the west side of the Jordan River and on the other side is the promised land, the land that they have been waiting for, not for years, but for centuries. Ever since God promised to give that land to the Israelites in Genesis chapter 15, now here they are with their toes practically dangling in the water. They can see their future home, the one described as flowing with milk and honey. And like so many of us, they see what looks so good, but they see this thing between us and them. And they go, I don't know how to get there. I, I don't know how to cross to the other side because we're told very specifically that the Jordan was at flood stage. Now, in our understanding, if you've seen pictures of the Jordan River or if you've been to Israel, you may be thinking, well, what's the big deal? There, it's a real narrow river. There's no problem. But you need to understand that the Jordan River of today is very different than the Jordan River of a few thousand years ago. Through agriculture, through civilization development, through damming up portions of it and opening up different parts, the river has become much smaller. But hear me, in their day, the river was massive. Some points when flooded were a mile wide. Let let me show you a picture of it. This is a picture even today of a section of the Jordan River. This is not the tranquil little stream some of us have in mind. And this pales in comparison to most likely what they saw before them. It's not simply we'll just slowly wade across, but rather if you put your toes in, you may be taken away. How many of us know that it is great to talk about faith and living into the promises of God until you might lose something as a result? It is easy to say, I want the promised land, but then you see the river, the delineating marker, the space between where you are and where God is calling you, and it looks so much different. I think about a number of years ago, we were in Gatlinburg, and in Gatlinburg, they have everything you never need. How many of us know what I'm talking about? So we're in Gatlinburg, and they've got all the goofy things you can do, all the things you can buy, and there's this one thing a bunch of us were looking at, it's called a bungee jump. And I thought, man, that looks like so much fun. But how many of us know that the bungee jump looks so much smaller from the ground than up above? At the ground level, you see this giant marshmallow. It's the airbag that you land on in case things go wrong. It's huge. You think, no problem. I remember, though, climbing the steps. This one didn't have, like, an elevator or anything. You get to climb all ten flights of stairs, and as you get going, it starts to sway until you're at the top, and you're going, this does not feel so secure. 
And that marshmallow, that giant puffy thing is like about this big. It's easy to talk about faith until you have to put your toes in the river, isn't it? And yet it's as you take that step that you begin to experience the fullness of life that God has designed you to enjoy, the adventure of life that he created you to pursue. So let's just talk for a moment about what this thing is, this thing called fear. I I don't know all the fear that Israel faced, but let's just sort of allow our divine imagination to run wild for a moment. Perhaps they were afraid that what if they step in and they're taken away? Or maybe it's not even that big. Maybe their fear was more fear of what if they step in and nothing happens? What if God doesn't show up? Have you ever faced that fear? I, I believe God's calling you to do something, but what if he doesn't show up? Or, or, or what if we step in and it doesn't happen and now I look foolish? How many of us are more afraid of what we look like to others? And that's why we don't take steps. Or perhaps it's not, I'll look foolish, but what if now no one will listen to me? I lose their respect. I lose influence. I, I don't know what their specific fears were, but here's what I know. Everyone in this room and everyone who's ever lived and everyone who will ever live has faced fears, is facing a fear, or will face fears. You're in a room full of people who have, who are, or who will face fear. You are not alone in this. In fact, I love what Dr. Susan Jeffers says. She says this very interesting thing about fear. She says, at the bottom of every one of your fears is simply this one fear. What's that one fear? That you can't handle whatever life may bring you. Isn't that truly the issue? It's the fear that no matter what I face, something may be bigger than my ability to deal with. She goes on to say, because if you knew you could handle anything that came your way, what would you possibly have to fear? And the answer is nothing. But here's the reality, church. There are some things that you and I face that we can't handle on our own. So for some of us, we need to recognize that the fear is actually legitimate, that there are things bigger than our ability. You say, Josh, okay, I thought the whole point of this message was take the land, face your fears, go across, hear me now. I'm not talking about a self-help program of positive thinking and just wishing things will be better and going forward naively. No, this is to look honestly at the situation of life and exchanging the fear for something far more powerful because here's the reality, fear. No matter what you think of it, fear simply is asking this question, what if? Every fear you ever face is ultimately that question, what if? What if my marriage doesn't work? What if I don't get better? What if I lose my job? What if my kid doesn't come home? What if, what if, what if? And here on the edge of the river, they had already gone through a bunch of what ifs. You remember 40 years earlier, they stood around this same point. But when they saw what was in front of them, the people said, we can't do this. And their hearts faded, fell, melted. They were afraid and they lost the promise of God. So here's what I want to do this morning. For the last few minutes, I want to give you something else. I'm not convinced. I've yet to learn personally the secret of not being afraid. I don't know that secret. If you know the secret to like just not be afraid, come tell me. But I have experienced, and I do know the secret of replacing that fear. I can't remove it necessarily, but I can replace it. And here's what we're invited to replace it with. It's a word we hear so often that I'm afraid. As soon as you see this, you go, oh yeah, of course, I get that. 
Sure, I get it. This is going to be Josh wrapping it up in a nice little bow and then the end of the story, go home. It's like, but this doesn't help me. Stick with me for the next few minutes if you're skeptical because here's the reality. Fear always asks, what if? But faith says, I'm going to live as if. What if or as if? What if this happens? But faith says, I will live as if. You say, where do we get that from? Notice Joshua says, okay, boys and girls, it is time to take the land. They say, how are we going to do this? He says, God's going to make a way. Well, okay, great, great. So what do we do? Do we get our popcorn? Do we come get our lounge chairs and watch and wait for the water to go aside? He goes, no. He said, To see the miracle of God in your life means you get to participate in the action of God. You say, what does that mean? Notice, it wasn't until they took the step that God removed the barrier. I think so many of us are living in fear and unwilling to move forward because we're waiting on God to remove the barrier before we take the next step of faith where he has already said, you know what I've called you to do. Don't ask me for steps three, four, five, and six until you've taken steps number one, two, and three. He is inviting us into something. Now, is it possible, is it possible that you and I, that you and I will see far more in God's power this year than ever before if we'll simply take one step. Have you thought about how powerful one step is? Just, just one step? How many of you remember, maybe because you were alive or you've heard the recording, that one moment that changed the world when we got that audio transmission from the moon? Neil Armstrong said, one small step for man One giant, do you remember the word? Leap for mankind. Isn't it amazing that he steps off of that moon landing and he comes down on this rock that we have stared at and thought impossible for centuries and centuries and he takes that one step. It seems so small, but it was the accumulation of so, so much. What is the one step God is calling you to take today that will radically change everything in the world? What is that one step in the Jordan River? Because every one of us has a Jordan River. You understand what a Jordan River is, right? It is a mark, a line denoting your past, living in wandering and stepping into the fullness of God. And every one of us comes to that river on our own. You don't get to face it on the faith of someone else. You come to it and there's that moment Where you come and you say, do I believe God is able? Yes or no? And here goes. What is your Jordan River? For some of you, your Jordan River today is going to be believing that God can reconcile that relationship that you just sort of written off and you say, well, yeah, 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 but, but, but you don't understand what this person has done to me. You don't understand the trust that has been broken. You don't understand the pain that has been caused. And God says, yeah, but do you trust me that I can part the waters? You say, I can't fix it. He goes, I'm not asking you to fix it. I'm asking you to take a step. Will you take a step into reconciliation? For some, it's, it's not that. Maybe for some, it's like, God, I don't know how to get the, the finances to work. I'm doing what I can. And he says, I will deal with the miraculous side. Will you simply take a step of obedience? Have you given? Are you generous? Well, God, I can't afford to. And he says, you can't afford not to. Until you take a step, you will never see God do the miraculous. 
And this isn't a name and a claim thing. Be very careful about people who proclaim that kind of gospel. I'm simply saying that if God is calling you into a space, we take the step as if He has already done the work. Do, do you understand that difference, friends? It's the trust that says, I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I trust the one who goes before me. See, key thing in this entire text, every bit of it hinges on this one little phrase, the ark of the covenant. Did you see that in the text? How many times is the ark referenced? Over and over and over, Joshua and God, and then the leaders tell the people of Israel, you walk Following the Ark of the Covenant, we already talked about what it means. The Ark of the Covenant was the physical representation of God's presence in their midst. And I love this. The priests, they put poles through the rings of the Ark of the Covenant and they would carry it for priests and they would walk in. Here's what I want you to see. Before the people walked in, God led the way. Before you step into anything tomorrow, before you step one foot into the rushing river of the fear you're facing, remember that God is already entering that space. You say, yeah, yeah, but but the priest had to step foot in. Yes, they did it with God. Interesting little phrase, uh, this, this idea of priests. Do you remember in the New Testament, Peter says that that now priests aren't from just one little tribe of a group, but rather you and I, we are all royal priests. We are a holy people. We are set apart. And the Spirit of God, the presence of God is not merely in some box, but according to the words of Paul, the Spirit of the living God, the one who orchestrates all things, the God over heaven and earth, the God who makes the river run and stops it up is now inside of you. Meaning, God both goes in front of you and He goes inside of you. Friends, fear asks the question, what if? Faith says, I'm going to live as if God's promise has already come to pass. See, see, here's the thing. I don't want you to miss what God wants to do in your life this year. And you don't have to. You don't have to worry about what happens when you get to the other side of the river. You don't have to worry about the giants. You don't have to worry about Jericho. You simply have to worry about, will I take my next step. See, here's the reality. If I'm not willing to take one step, why would God entrust me with steps number 10 through 20? But he gives us what we need for the moment so that today, today, if there's something that God is calling you into, if there's a relationship that needs reconciled, if there's a a situation, a sin that needs to be confessed, if there is a friend that needs to be shared with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't you worry about the outcomes. Don't you worry about what comes next. You simply take the step. Oh, how the world would change your world and mine this year. If we said, as we take the land, I'm taking the step. What is the step? It's the next step. What is God calling you into? Just the next step. Don't worry about the future weeks and months. Just take your next step. And I believe with everything. I'm banking on eternity with this one, folks. That the God who parted the waters for a group of nomads in the desert is still the God 
who parts the waters for people who say, I trust you enough to take my next step. Are you ready to take the land? God goes before you. He goes in you. And the last thing I want you to notice is simply this. As the priests carried the ark into the water because of their obedient step of faith, two million people got to pass through where they otherwise couldn't. Your choice to take your next step will impact generations for the kingdom of God. So you ready to take your next step? For many of us, we don't know what that is. We kind of wonder what's next in this upside-down world. Let me give you a couple. Here's number one. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you said no to yourself and yes to Jesus? You say, I don't know what that means. You see us out at the next steps as soon as we're done here. Your next step may simply be to say yes to Jesus and being baptized into him. Is it interesting that the Jordan River, this marker from wandering to promised land, this water denotes this, this water denotes going from death to life, from wandering to home Maybe your next step is to say yes to Jesus and follow him through the waters of baptism and come into the promised relationship that he has declared for you. For some of you, it's not that. Maybe you're already there, but you go, I don't know what's next. So you then need to get around people who love the Lord, who know him well. Are you in a group? Are you in a community? Do you have people who love you enough to tell you the truth about you and to help you see what your next step may be? Are they able to say, brother, sister, you take your step here, you take your step there, God will bless it. Is your next step to evaluate the relationships you have, both good and bad, those you need to cultivate and those you need to cut? Some of you this morning need to cut certain relationships. That's your next step. You say, oh, I don't know how I could do that. The water's too deep. If I do this, what happens to me? Trust God as you are obedient to him to move the waters for you. But take your next step. For others, it's not relationship. For some in here, it is that you will give up the God of your money and trust the true God to provide you with all you need. And you'll become open-handed. You say, oh, this is where the church wants my money. Folks, the church doesn't need your money. Our source is God, and he has deeper pockets than any of us. And if you don't believe us, give your money somewhere else for a season. That's fine. The point is, take your next step. But here's what I would ask you to do. (laughs) It is not enough to simply hear what God says. How many of the Israelites already heard what God said and never enjoyed the promised land? If you want to take ground this year, You declare and then do. Take the step and watch God do the miraculous.